This is Father Aaron with another podcast. I'm sure I've made mention before about the Benedictine Monastery I visit from time to time in eastern Oklahoma. The monks at the Abbey of the Assumption in Clear Creek, Oklahoma, keeps to the strict rule of St. Benedict. They live off the land, they hold everything in common, eat simply, and chant the hours of their prayers eight times each day and long into the night. This monastery and those like it possess an otherworldly character when you make a visit. You just feel as if you're stepping out of time, and leaving the monastery feels like you're returning to a world after ages of being away. Now, one of the unique characteristics of the Benedictine rule is St. Benedict's emphasis on the place of hospitality in a monastery. You wouldn't think of that, with a monastery appearing to be a place of isolation. But monks are always receiving guests, so much so that St. Benedict orders that one monk be entirely devoted to caring for the needs of visitors to the monastery. Any guest who happens to arrive at the monastery, he writes, should be received just as we would receive Christ himself, because he promised that on the last day he will say, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. If you visit Clear Creek, the abbot will greet you at the door of the refectory, their dining hall. And there a monk will bring out a large silver basin and water, so that the abbot can wash and kiss your hands. Then you are led to a well-prepared table to eat, with all the community sitting around you in huddles, in silence at their simple wooden tables with metal dishes. You certainly get the feeling that these men exist to love and pray for the other. Hospitality is a theme in our readings today. The prophet Elisha arrives at the home of a woman of influence, a woman who noticeably goes unnamed in the reading. But because she recognizes Elisha to be a man of God, she waits on him, even to the point of asking her husband to build a guest room for him to use when he comes again. Similarly, in the gospel, our Lord commands us to receive prophets and righteous men so that we will be rewarded. But then he adds something. It's not just the prophets and the righteous, but even children, or, as we should understand, those uneducated in the faith. That is how the fathers usually understood little ones in the gospel. Whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. As I prepared to begin my term as an administrator here at St. Joseph, I have been doing a good bit of reading on parishes, best practices, canon law, etc. One thing that struck out to me in my reading is that there are really two approaches a parish can take to the mission of evangelization. 
The first is to focus on bringing the gospel to parishioners, educating them, building communities among them. And the second is to focus on bringing the gospel to everyone else, everyone in the place where the parish finds itself, to preach to the masses and bring more disciples back to the church. What often happens when a parish chooses the wider route is that not only are new disciples created, but those who are already in the parish end up being evangelized themselves. You see, the gospel is not just for us. We are its messengers, and the world is waiting to hear the news we can bring. Right now, our world, and especially our nation, is starving for what the gospel will offer. Father Paul Scalia, the son of the late Justice Scalia, gives the example of a dark room. When the lights are off, everything appears different. He writes, The bathrobe on the hook looks like a person. The shoe on the floor resembles a rodent. Walking across the room, we might stub a toe or bang a knee on a table we otherwise knew was there. By flipping the switch, however, we dispel the fright of that ominous bathroom and the menacing shoe. We avoid the assault of the stationary table. And so also, the light of the gospel reveals what is true about the world. How can we bring the light of the gospel to the situation of unrest we find ourselves in today? The media wants to make it about politics, as if the only things that mattered right now were face masks and flags and statues and photo ops. But none of these things bring lasting solutions. None of them. Some of them may be necessary to discuss, but they aren't the answer. They aren't bringing light on the darkness around us. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, says the Lord. And whoever loves sons or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. These may seem like harsh words on the surface, but Christ is not telling us to give up our families. Rather, he's setting up a priority by inaugurating a new family for all of us, the family of the church. This is the one that will take priority now because it has God as its father and the church as her mother. We like to use the language here at St. Joseph that we are all one family. Our parish, our school, our apostolate, St. Vincent de Paul, St. Monica, all are one family. Think of who that family includes. It's not just those of us who show up here on Sunday, is it? Catholics are the minority at our school. Our St. Joseph family extends into so many non-Catholic homes families who send their children to be educated in a Catholic environment. Think of the ladies that St. Monica will visit in the prison, so many of them from places far away from here, so many of them distanced from their own families. Or what about the people who line up to receive support at St. Vincent de Paul week by week? They are nameless to so many of us in the pews, but they are a part of our St. Joseph family. But why should we even stop there? Every parish, when it's established, is given a certain territory of land that it's responsible for. The pastor of the parish, according to the church's law, has the spiritual responsibility of every soul in that territory. Every soul. Not just the Catholics. Not just those who give regularly or volunteer. Every soul is his responsibility. Now, our St. Joseph family extends all through Washington County. And Christ, in our readings today, is commanding us to bring them even a cup of cold water, even a taste of the gospel message for them to take in, to bring the light of truth to them. I would hope that every child who enters our school feels the welcome that I felt at Clear Creek. 
Maybe we don't wash their hands when they come in, though I'm willing to bet we're going to sanitize them this year. But our students are received in the school as if we are receiving Christ. I would like that every person who wanders into this church building is impressed not merely with the beauty of its design, with the solemnity of our worship, but that they will find in such a beauty a glimpse of the beauty of God. Now, the good men and women of City Hall are not going to bring the church into this pandemic or into this unrest. That is our job. We have to bring Christ the Lord into the streets of Greenville and into our homes where it's so greatly needed to stay the parade of political antics which daily pours out of our television screens. If I had to say what my goal is going forward as I begin a term at St. Joseph, it would be that. To bring the light of the gospel to Washington County. To bring Christ to the streets of Greenville and into our homes. And after that, to bring them back here to this altar, to him who is the source of all light and hope. Father Scalia proposes that we take the motto of Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. That lamp over there by the tabernacle, which burns day and night in this church, is the light that we leave on for you and for everyone who visits this holy place. It is the shrine that Christ lives here in bodily form in the Holy Eucharist. But if we are going to bring that light to the people of Washington County and to bring them to visit him, we have to be able to carry that light with us when we go.